0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Our next guest, I'm going to have to buy a pop down the road because I usually make him pay at a place called Saloon in Philadelphia. Uh, he is presented weekly by Horse Racing Alberta, live thoroughbred racing back at the Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. Every Friday and Saturday, for more information, head to thehorses.com. We welcome back to the show daily face-offs, Frank Saravalli. Hi, Frank. How are you?
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. A pop? Was it dinner? The last time, or a couple weeks ago when I was on, we talked specifically about Damon Severson. Yes. And, uh, and one of our listeners, Ali, sent me a, a DM to remind me of our wager. You said he would be closer to $5 bucks. I said six, and he ended up at 6 dollars So that sounds like a steak dinner at Ruth's Chris.
0: I might be able to make that happen the next time you come to Edmonton. And you do occasionally come to Edmonton as well. I do. I, I love coming. You met like the Patrick Swayze of bar owners at one point
1: i've met a lot of good people in edmonton there you I, go i call it with all due respect the philly of the north and that's that's where i'm from so it makes me feel at home Hardworking people that care about their sports team and aren't afraid to speak their mind yep nothing wrong with that right uh hey go for uh, it. like i said from a blue collar town so i get it
0: all right so uh tonight the vegas golden knights have a chance to wrap it up uh they played within the rules that were dealt. Uh, they mm-hmm. basically got two extra players as a result of the fact that Mark Stone went on LTIR. Those two players were Ivan Barbashev and Teddy Blueger, and that's only because they struck out trying to get bigger games. Like They, they tried yeah. to, as you know, get bigger players. But they did play at the end of the day. Say what you want. They played within the rules. They built a hell of a team, and they are
1: kill- Their roster on the ice, by the way, was cap-compliant against mm-hmm. the Oilers. Okay, that, that's an important distinction to make
0: but they are killers. They are relentless. They are in on everything, aren't they?
1: They are. And what I really admire about the golden Knights is their courage of conviction that when you think about how this team was built and how aggressively it was built six years ago, when they went to the Stanley cup final, there's only six guys left from that team, the original golden misfits. And if you think about the pieces that they've acquired since then, Alex Petrangelo via free agency, Jack Eichel via trade, Mark Stone via trade. They really placed some, pardon the Vegas pun, some huge wagers on those players. And they've built their team as a result really revolving around those three guys. And it really seems to have paid off. They kept the players that they needed to keep. They said goodbye to a lot of really good players, part of it for cap reasons, Uh, part of it because they they were picking the guys that are on their roster over those guys. And it's really worked out for them in a big way. Like, you gotta remember one year ago, it sounds far-fetched, this team was out of the playoffs and we were talking about a potential general manager change because their owner and Bill Foley had Conducted a long review into Kelly McCrimmon's work and was considering the change. I mean, they didn't really do much last summer other than bring in Aiden Hill for a fourth round pick before camp started because they knew they weren't going to have Robin Leonard. This is a team, aside from the coaching change, that's mostly the same as last year.
0: Yeah. I'm such a genius. I had a miss in the playoffs in the Pacific Division. So,
1: sure. I could have seen it. A lot of people made the prediction. Like we were thinking, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Those are your two goalies. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. And you know, now we we heard and Mark Stone wasn't even healthy for most of this year.
0: We uh, yeah, we heard uh, Wayne Gretzky on yesterday's show. Uh, I listened you know, to that. Oh, you heard that segment. Wow, well, I yeah, th- tuned in. Thank you for listening. And we also had Matthias Ekholm on, and you could hear sort of the, the pain in, in Ekholm's voice. And he said, like, you know, we're... So the question I have for you, Frank, is are the Oilers... I think we both think Vegas is going to close this thing out tonight. By the way, do you have any further information on the status of M- Matthew Kachuk, or what do you think?
1: I, I don't. My... You know... I would say my hunch would always be that matthew kachuk like the gamer of all gamers is going to find a way to play but there was one sequence at the end of the game as the buzzer sounded where he sort of got into the melee that w- unfolded yeah that it almost looked to me like a guy that knew he wasn't going to be able to play the next game hmm. and was just throwing everything away to abandon but Maybe okay. I'm crazy
0: for thinking that. All right. So assuming Vegas wins this series. Okay. Now, Elliot, and I don't, I don't recall if you said this, but Elliot Point Blank said it on the show. He thought Vegas-Edmonton was the Stanley Cup final. Whoever won that series was going to win the Cup. Did you say something similar at some point? or I, I, don't I did not. You did not. Uh, I did
1: think whoever won the West would win the Cup, though.
0: Okay. Okay. On uh, just because of the fact that you know Boston had been taken out, or what was your yeah
1: Boston was out, the Leafs were out. I just thought the real big dogs in the East were taken out,
0: and Carolina obviously was banged up. So what does it mean for Edmonton? If you're Oilers' management, what should you be thinking uh, as you see Vegas? Should should there be frustration and anger that, you know, geez, that could have been us. I mean, it was 2-2 after two games. The Oilers had blown Vegas out in both of their wins.
1: What do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, it tells you you're on the right track, I think, for one. But I also think every spring the NHL is littered with teams that think that that could have been them. Yeah. And I think my one concern would be that the Oilers potentially lull themselves into a complacency of thinking that because the Golden Knights had a a team last year that fell short of even making the playoffs, and this year are bouncing back to potentially win the Stanley Cup, that the Oilers, having gone toe-to-toe with some guys that were banged up, basically decimating your secondary scoring, and... You know you didn't really get the saves that you needed that all of a sudden you could think that you don't need to do much and i don't think the oilers need seismic changes but i think to sit back this summer and rest on your laurels of the success that you've had is probably a foolish way to think about it like and i'm not saying the oilers are But I think that's the danger in watching a team that you feel like you had their number for most of the year and fell short in the postseason, that you can fall into that trap. I I just think there are a number of incremental 1%, 5% changes that the Oilers can make that if you pile up enough of them, that they can be incrementally better next season.
0: Well, you're going to have to grind if you're going to do that. I think that's a fair assessment.
1: Uh, the auto You have to be willing to tinker on the margins, and you have to, instead of just shrugging and saying, well, our bottom six good enough? It's can we get a, a better stylistic fit in this position? Yeah. Can we expend an asset here or there? Can we find a bargain basement buy when we don't necessarily need to? It's there needs to be a push and a challenge to try and put this team over the top. What
0: if a bargain basement buys one of your own guys that you resign? Like who? Well, what if I mean, I don't know. I mean how bad you want to win? Like if you're if you're a Yanmark or a Ryan, Yanmark played 14 and a half minutes per game. You know, Derek Ryan had 13 goals and went plus 11 last year. They both made 1.25 million. If they come underneath a million, on on one I think of the
1: Oilers would be silly to not bring Derek Ryan back yeah yeah like work like worst case scenario if you acquire enough other pieces and or someone else comes in and grabs the job and or for whatever reason Derek Ryan one year from now just looks slower and is unable to do it which I don't foresee that big of a change coming in one year the worst case you have is what Vegas has in Phil Kessel being a healthy scratch for 20 playoff games.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What, what's the harm in that? You know, you look at the Panthers, you mentioned Matthew Kachuk. So if, if Matthew Kachuk is out tonight and or someone else, there was five guys on the Panthers that didn't practice yesterday, they got to turn to Grigory Denisenko, who's a 2018 first round pick that barely has any NHL experience or Giovanni Smith who also is limited in NHL experience. Like, and a limited player. At it, like, Wouldn't it be nice to have a Phil Kessel sitting on your bench to say, hey, not to say Derek Ryan is that, but someone that you trust?
0: Well, they, they don't just have Kessel. They got Paul Cotter who had double-digit goals as well. All right, Frank, let's uh, switch to the here and now and some stuff that you've been talking about and writing about here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it, it appears as though the Ottawa, auto- Well, it, Michael Anelauer has got the team, um what's your take on that
1: i feel like he was the anointed choice from the nhl from the very beginning yep um it also felt like he knew that and put in the lowest bid i don't want to say on purpose but through the first round of deposits and bidding he was at 850 million bucks and i think that's why this process dragged on as long as it did was really the guy that the league wanted to see in that spot which always holds a big sway was the guy bidding the least and that can be problematic i guess but i also think that in order for that team to be successful it really any team to be successful you've got to have great ownership like there's a direct correlation between the tampa bay Lightning winning back-to-back stanley cups and jeff vinnick being one of the best owners in pro sports it's just it's it's fact you can draw it on a map um with the Sens, this is going to be a fascinating scenario that unfolds not just from a front office perspective and on ice product but this is a small market canadian team whose revenue has mostly been in the toilet and part of that has been because of the previous steward of the franchise not to dance on on eugene melnick's grave but Even in the market, the the total feel around the team changed once he passed away. Yeah, So I'd expect a huge uptick in in Sen's buzz and and popularity um, within the market, but also then with whatever comes next. New arena, team on the cusp of being a playoff team, building it the right way, all those things that go into it. And then you ask, okay, what other changes is Michael Anlauer, who's been at, like, I've been going to NHL Board of Governors meetings for years. He's been at those meetings. He's had a seat at the table as a minority partner of of the Montreal Canadiens, a piece that he now needs to sell in short order.
0: Uh, What sort of changes do you see them having? i mean
1: well i think the big one is is one that i brought up a few weeks ago when the oilers season ended steve steos is a is an oilers employee that has popped up on the radar of a few nhl teams but none more notably than the anlauer group because he's not just someone that michael anlauer won a championship with in hamilton in the ohl but is also someone that's been a business partner and they know each other well uh and the roots are deep Steve Steos is a well-respected hockey guy, and so I think the Oilers have a decision to make, and it's it boils down really simply. What is the plan for one year from now with Ken Holland having one year left on his contract and no indication to this point that he's interested in working beyond that? He used the phrase, I don't invest in green bananas at his own press conference, which would seem to suggest that he's intent on not working past the end of that deal, at least in his current role. Yeah. So if that is indeed the case, then if the Oilers are going to be in this spot one year from now where they're looking for someone to replace Ken Holland, then, and they view him, this is another if, if they view Steve Steos as someone that could be in that position or a candidate for that position, do they step up and make a move now? Or do they let him walk and go join the Ottawa Senators to help steer their ship? So there is a decision to make, and I would say park Steve Steyos for a moment off to the side and have the larger conversation of where are the Edmonton Oilers heading next, who's going to be running this team, and once you have that answer, then come back and have the conversation about Steve Steyos.
0: Interesting. All right, Frank, now we're going to switch. Well, actually, we're going to stay in Ottawa. Alex Dabrinkit, what are you hearing represented by Jeff Jackson?
1: Yeah, so he's someone that I think has been seeking clarity. I think a lot of people view Alex Dabrinkit as someone that um, may not be long for Ottawa, may not have a ton of interest in re-signing there. And he's at least to this point been diplomatic and said, I can't until I know who the owner is going to be, who the GM is going to be, who the next coach is going to be. And by the way, in parentheses, um, given Michael Anlauer's connections to the OHL, a lot of people seem to think that that is good news for DJ Smith, that he may be back as Sens coach, um, if that is indeed the case. And I also think, by the way, this relates back to the Steo's point with the Oilers. There's a procedural element to all of this, that may not come together as quickly as everyone hopes. I checked in with the NHL this morning to ask if it's a possibility that this deal could be approved by the Board of Governors by next Wednesday's scheduled meeting, and I was told that's quote highly doubtful. All right. So it's think of it like you basically today, Michael Anlauer and the Sens have come to an agreement of sale, an agreement to purchase just like you would a house, and then it takes 30, 60, 90 days, whatever it might be to actually get to the table where you close and button everything up. That's not great, not a great spot for the Sens to be in, given that if they are going to make changes, Michael Anlauer isn't officially holding the keys. Do you want Pierre Dorian, if that's the case, still making the calls and making the trades and selections? So there's a lot that goes into this. Um, but to to get to your other point, like, um, to brink it, like, they, they're getting some clarity. I, I still think it's a real good possibility that he ends up being moved, which, by the way, this is going to sound funny to say, Bob, I wonder if that might also be a blessing in disguise for the Sens because how many $8 million players can they afford on their roster? Right. You begin to get pretty – top heavy or at least you run into cap consequences somewhat quickly when you reach five or six guys in that pay range and they're knocking on that door after Brinkett's there long-term the question is for a team that traded the seventh overall pick and a second and third to have the one year of the Alex to experience and not make the playoffs how can you find a way to straddle the line of recouping what you lost while also getting a piece that can help you next year as you try and bounce into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a tricky one for them. Frank Cervalli for the horses and horse racing. Alberta, Bob Stoffer with you on orders Now. Winnipeg or Calgary, which team's going to be more interesting to watch in the, uh, from a player? And by the way, we are going to have Ryan Huska coming up today at 135, the new head coach. Oh, wow. We had Craig Conroy on. I know you had Craig on your show as well. Um
1: which you you the think... Flames helping out Oilers now. Who says you can't be friends in Alberta? Hey,
0: it's the battle for Alberta, not the battle of Alberta. That's what I used to say back in the old 405 lockout year. So tell me this. I think Winnipeg, so there's going to be more movement in Winnipeg than Calgary. What about you, Frank?
1: I agree. I also just don't know that I know enough now to fully be able to say the Calgary answer with any degree of confidence at the moment because I think there's still a few things lingering out there and, and answers that Craig Conroy needs to get. There's a reason why Ryan Huska, the day he was officially announced as Flames head coach, was one of his first calls to make was Elias Lindholm. That's a big one. That's a number one priority for the Flames. Um, But Winnipeg, to me, I I look at their team, and there's two ways to look at where the Jets are at. I think if you talk to the Jets management group, you'll get a lot of – of grumbling, a sort of, I can't believe we're in this spot. Look at all these players that may be heading out the door. We're really in a tough position. Whereas I look at it in a totally different way. And by the way, I think there's a real good likelihood of 50% shot that all four of the guys that are on our trade board, whether it's Hellebuck, Shifley, Dubois, and Wheeler, I I think there's a real good chance that all four are playing elsewhere by the time the puck drops in October. Wow. Seismic changes, and that would excite me. Yeah. You're Kevin Sheveldayoff. You've been the only general manager this team's ever known since it's been back in Winnipeg. And for the first time in six years, eight years, whatever it might be, You have a chance to sit at the table and remold this team sort of like Play-Doh. Where is this? Where are we heading next? Who, what's the next? Instead of Jets 2.0, what's Jets 3.0 look like? I view that as an incredibly exciting time to be part of the Jets or to be a fan of the Jets because you've got the premier center in Dubois, at least at this moment in time, and the premier goaltender in Connor Hellebuck that are available on either the free agent or the trade market this summer. Yeah. Pretty uh, envious spot to be in, I would think. LA for Dubois? I still have a hard time getting past Montreal. Montreal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One final one I for I
1: think LA would be in the mix for Connor Hellebuck, though.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh, one final one for you here. Uh, circling back, we started with Philadelphia, and we'll finish with the Philadelphia story. Pretty much anybody is available out of that organization.
1: I, I think I said it last week with you. Yeah, taking you calls on everyone. All
0: right, so you know I've always, all
1: got different price points.
0: What's the price point for Travis connecting? Because you know what, now he, he's costly. He's five and a half million for two more years. Uh, is this a player you think could be moved before the start of the season?
1: Everyone's available. I think he could be moved, yes, and I would say he is. I think far and away the most expensive piece on the Flyers. Okay. It's going to have to be a haul for a guy that is incredibly scrappy. Um, some, you know, I think the only thing that leaves you longing for Travis Konecny is the consistency.
0: Yeah, but he some has some games scored.
1: he looks like Brad Marchand, and other games he doesn't. Okay. you can't find him quite
0: the haul what are we talking about a first a, a former first and a decent player
1: uh, i think a little more than that
0: there we go and it'd be challenging for a team like oh one final one for you anything further clarity on the cap at this point it's been another week
1: Two, me may, two maybe maybe two weeks from today two weeks from today we'll have clari- Maybe cl- clarity that, i think that's sort of the drop dead that's when everyone needs to know by Frank,
0: love having you on the show. Thank you for your time. You're buying when we go to Roos Chris. Did I slide that in?
1: Yeah, that's not happening. For (laughs) once, you're going to need to get those alligator arms flexing.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Oilers Now. See you, Bob. See you. That is Frank Cerevalli for the Horses and Horse Racing, Alberta. A reminder, live thoroughbred racing, back at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino, Friday and Saturday. For more information, head to thehorses.com. We'll step out, come back with a couple of texts on the Ashley Pine Floors text line when we return on orders now. For the record, I'm with Frank. I don't think Matthew Kachuk's going to play tonight. The Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Jim Brown, Trent Brown, uh, big supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the University of Alberta. James H. Brown, over 250 years of experience. It's this simple. They're the best, and they get you the best results. On to the Ashley Fine Flores text line. Marcus texts us and he says, Bob, the Vegas Golden Knights got Keegan Colzart for a second, Brett Howden for a fourth, Aiden Hill for a fourth, and Chandler Stevenson for a fifth. What are the Oilers doing? Well, that is, Brendan, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, when you look at it, it's 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 kind of hard to argue with, uh, especially Chandler Stevenson. It's almost, Brendan, it's almost like they went on Percocet or something. Like, you know, and, no, seriously, like people were trying to figure out how the Germans penetrated the Maginot Line so quickly uh, during the Second World War, and it turned out, They were, you know, they were on some secret sauce, so to speak. And it's like guys go to Vegas and they become better players. It's that simple. That's an amazing story. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Uh, And when we come back, we'll actually hear from you. What should the Oilers do? Stand pack or uh, wheel and deal? You tell us when we return. We'll open up the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline after a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn.